Uh, that is all ever be. Holy shit. <laughs> You are listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe and click the bell icon on YouTube so you can get notified every Tuesday when we upload a new episode. You can also add us on Facebook and Instagram at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. Okay, welcome to episode 50. Uh, Today we're going to be talking about the gut-brain relationship. The big 5-0. Seriously. I know. I can't believe it. Um, so one of our co-hosts is a little bit sick today. So, <laughs> so I'll try my best, guys. <laughs> yeah. Send her um, some happy thoughts that she <laughs> gets better soon. <laughs> so <laughs> but in all in all honesty, guys, um and because this is a big five oh episode and because uh, I guess Christmas and New Year's is coming. We want to kind of give back to you guys. So for each week of December, we will mm-hmm. be hosting a little giveaway. Yep. Every single week. So mm-hmm. we will start announcing those giveaways um, in our next episode. And then the winner will be announced the following. Just keep an eye out on our Instagram for like the details of like what you need to do to win and what the exact like opening and closing days are for entering. But mm-hmm. we will say that subscribing to our YouTube is one of the requirements. So if right. you haven't done that already, please do so. Get ahead of the game because it's going to be a requirement for all the giveaways pretty much. Right. But seriously, guys, we have some cool shit going on. I kind of want to keep it, but Christine's know. Tough. Christine's telling me no, that we have to give it back to you guys. I'm kidding. We really do want to give it back. Um, so please stay tuned. Um, I guess subscribe to our YouTube channel. Mm-hmm. Follow us on Instagram for the deets. All right. Exactly. So without further ado, let's dive into our new nutrition in the news today. Uh, so this one is kind of an oddball study, but I think it's really relevant. Definitely oddball. <laughs> to what we're talking about. So this study is actually about the anal cancer mortality rates have more than doubled in the U.S. So we've been talking about gut health. Your anus is part of your, you know, whole GI tract. So Mm -hmm. it's relevant, okay? Keep it mature, guys. Yeah, like the rates have more than doubled. So that is a lot. So a lot of people are dying from this and being diagnosed with this. So let's dive into the details of this. So why this study is a little bit oddball is because actually HPV, which is a human papillomavirus, is the top risk for developing cervical cancer, oral cancer, and anal cancer. And a recent study found that 70% of adults remain unaware of these risks. So that's why we're talking about it. Because yes, HPV has its own problems of its own. Right. But anal cancer is one of them. I've pretty much only been, you know, commonly thought that it's related to like cervical cancer and things like that. Um, And if you don't know, HPV is the most common sexually transmitted infection. So over a 15 year period from 2001 to 2016, the diagnoses of 
anal cancer and anal cancer mortality rates have more than doubled in adults age 60 to 69. So it is affecting, you know, sort of the older population. Mm -hmm. So that kind of shows that this takes time to develop. And rates of this cancer have increased about 3.1% per year. That is a lot. You know, it's more than doubled when you look at it in a big spectrum. Right. So this data suggests that anal cancer may be one of the most rapidly rising causes of cancer and um, incidence of mortality. So like we said, a lot of people are dying from this. It's becoming an issue and a lot of people remain unaware of it. One of the authors of the study said, it is concerning that over 75% of adults do not know that HPV causes this preventable cancer and they're calling it preventable. Uh, educational mm -hmm. campaigns are needed to increase awareness about the rising rates of cancer and importance of immunization. Actually, um, I'm glad you brought this up because there's a lot of issues, obviously, with um, the digestive tract and anal cancer is obviously a new one that I've not personally heard of. And another thing I do want to point out, which I don't know, again, I would consult with your doctor about this specific topic, but a lot of adults that we know today basically try to avoid getting a colonoscopy. Yes. And one of them does include my dad and a couple of other people that at work that I do know of, which mm -hmm. is huge because doing that procedure will go ahead and assess your needs. And if there's any issues going on mm -hmm. that can be prevented or mm -hmm. treated on the spot. Mm -hmm. So that's just another thing that we do want to bring up. Again, consult with your doctor or your primary physician mm -hmm. and to get that done. Right. But colonoscopies definitely have a very bad stigma attached to them. Right, right. Because so understandable reasons, but right. it is important. So it's a necessary evil. And, <laughs> yeah, and anal cancer is a very underrated type of cancer. And mm -hmm. now research is showing that it's pretty much skyrocketing to right. do it, you know, however you want to call it. But just another thing to like kind of think about when you're trying to convince yourself not to get a colonoscopy. Right. So with that being said, enough with that. <laughs> Let's get into the bigger bulk of, I need to stop saying that, the, bi the bigger picture of this episode, basically what we're about to talk about in regards to your brain and your gut relationship. So the big picture of this episode, we're gonna go into a little more, is the enteric nervous system. So the main role of this is basically controlling digestion from swallowing to the release of enzymes that help break down food to the control of blood flow that helps with nutrient absorption to elimination. So the enteric nervous system doesn't seem capable of cognition as we know it, but it communicates back and forth with our big brain with profound results. The ENS may trigger big emotional shifts experienced by people coping with irritable bowel syndrome don't get me started on what happened in college, but <laughs> and functional bowel problems such as constipation, diarrhea, bloating, pain, and stomach upset. Right. So for decades, researchers and doctors thought that anxiety and depression contributed to these problems. And, you know, there's still a very strong relationship between these two. Uh, but studies actually show that it could be the other way around. Research is finding that irritation in the gastrointestinal system 
may send signals to the central nervous system that trigger mood changes. So now they're suggesting like it starts here versus starting here. Mm -hmm. If you're watching the YouTube video, I was pointing at my gut and then my head. <laughs> so these findings may explain why higher than normal percentage of people with IBS and functional bowel problems develop depression and anxiety. That's important because up to 30 to 40% of the population has functional bowel problems at some point. I think one of us is included in that statistic. Don't look at me. <laughs> so with that being said, let's get into the nitty gritty details. So the gut-brain relationship takes place via the vagus nerve. So basically food to feelings type of relationship. So in your small intestine, food particles drift along the villi, so the finger-like structures <laughs> that increase surface area, allowing the most amount of nutrients to be absorbed. The villi is one cell thick, which allows for pretty quick absorption, but also makes them easily damaged. So think about the celiac disease that we mentioned in a couple episodes ago. In celiac disease, the villi gets flattened and you can't get that nutrient absorption. So there are different types of cells along the villi, but the main one we are going to talk about is the enteroendocrine cells, more specifically neuropod cells. Think of these cells as gut sensors. Mm -hmm. So not only do these cells interact with hormones, which are part of the endocrine system, they interact with nerve cells as well, specifically the vagus nerve. These cells respond by mechanical, thermal, and chemical signals. That's important. So we're going to talk about that more later. So just remember right. mechanical, thermal, and chemical. Um, this can also be like nutrients and bacterial byproducts as well. These signals from those cells are sent back to the brain via the vagus nerve and actually damage to the vagus nerve, whether it be like a car accident or something like that, can actually cause rapid weight loss. Your vagus nerve is very important. Right. So with that being said, let's go into a different subtopic. And this is all about the HPA axis. So say it with me now, it's hypothalamic pituitary adrenal axis, also That's known as mouth load. <laughs> Yeah, say that three times fast. Seriously, go ahead. So the HPA axis is an interactive neuroendocrine unit comprising of the hypothalamus, pituitary gland, and the adrenal glands. So the HPA axis plays key roles in basal homeostasis and in the body's response to stress. There is evidence that the activation of the HPA axis by the gut microbiota can occur as a result of increased permeability of the intestinal barrier and a microbiota-driven pro-inflammatory state. So various disorders of the microbiota gut-brain axis are actually associated with the dysregulation of this HPA axis. Mm -hmm. So now we're going to dive into the role of short-chain fatty acids. And we talked about this in one of our past episodes, but microbes in your gut ferment indigestible carbohydrates and fibers and convert them into short-chain fatty acids. Short-chain fatty acids have emerged as a crucial factor for the development and function of the microglia and the resident macrophages of the central nervous system. So if you don't know, macrophages are pretty much like scavengers. So what mm -hmm. these cells do is they go up and clean up your central nervous system, like getting rid of all the dead stuff and debris and whatnot. Right. So it keeps your central nervous system running. 
properly by getting out the gunk. Right, basically. So with that being said, let's go into the role of the the microbiota. So who controls who? Does your gut control your brain or does your brain control your gut? So let's talk about the evidence that talks about what we eat can actually affect our gut. So what you eat influences your microbiomes as we learned last week. In turn, what you eat will actually affect your brain as well. So diet is a huge driving force of what microbes you have and what and in what quantities. So stress, aka the release of epinephrine and norepinephrine, increases specific microbe growth by tenfold. So food deprivation is actually a form of stress. So as we talked about before, probiotics like those found in yogurt have been shown to produce GABA. GABA is also known as a neurotransmitter that is commonly claimed to be the key to reducing that stress. So basically, GABA does help calm down those neurons and also helps stimulate muscle relaxing as well. Right. Some people even supplement with GABA. So probiotics can help naturally. Right. um, You know, stimulate those. Right. So now we're going to talk about evidence that the gut actually influences what we eat. So are you in charge or is your gut in charge? Kind of the opposite. Jesus, just take the wheel. I don't know anymore. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So this is from a a mouse study. So take of that what you will. Um, But researchers have actually been able to modify the mice's gut bacteria to make them more timid versus adventurous and vice versa. So they did this with germ-free mice. So that's how they were able to come to this conclusion. And now you might ask, you know, what does timid versus adventurous have to do with food choices? Mm-hmm. Um, they were basically comparing it to, you know, timid mice would stay in the dark area of their cage where the more adventurous mice would go to the light side. I was about to ask more. what, it, I was about to ask what is adventurous? <laughs> <laughs> and the, um, they pretty much concluded like if you're more timid you keep to yourself more and this showed more signs of not being like adventurous going out to go find food humans don't really need to go out and find food so the point of this study was to demonstrate that changing the microbes could change behavior um So the question is, is this transferable to humans? Mm -hmm. I don't know. Humans are not tiny mice. We're definitely not. So, but the point, it's still interesting research that, you know, they took germ-free mice, put a certain bacterial, you know, population in the mice. They behaved Mm -hmm. a certain way, flipped it, and then the same mouse acted a different way. You know, so it's interesting. Does that necessarily relate to food choices? Maybe, maybe not. Because, you know, if you put yourself in certain situations, if you act a certain way, I don't know. But Mm -hmm. interesting research, nonetheless. Also, the gut is called our second brain. But why? So the gut actually has 5 million neurons. That's a lot, man. That's a lot. Mm Mm-hmm. And you've got a lot of bacteria too. So yeah, 
As we discussed before, your gut can send signals to your brain via the vagus nerve, basically influencing your behavior and potentially what you choose to eat and what lifestyle choices you choose to partake in, which can clearly help regulate body weight. Another thing to take into consideration is the overstimulation of the vagus nerve can actually drive overeating. So the microbes in your gut can also influence what chemicals they produce, which in turn influences what signals are sent to the brain. Do you remember when we said that those cells were influenced by chemical, mechanical, and thermal signals? This is where this is important. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, dopamine and serotonin are key players here. So dopamine is a pleasure and reward system in our brains commonly studied for addiction purposes, whereas serotonin is involved in memory, cognition, mood, sleep, etc. So some of your microbes can produce vast amounts of dopamine and serotonin. So Mm -hmm. the more you know. So again, you know, if your gut is producing these neurotransmitters and then they're getting transferred through the vagus nerve back to your brain, that's how that relationship works. Right. So what does this mean for your health? Um, Fast food has actually been shown to be toxic to microbes and could actually be killing the ones that help or would help keep you thin, which would result in less diversity. We've talked so much about how a nice diversity is key to your health and fast food was shown to be toxic to these microbes. Right. So with that being said, let's go into gut health and anxiety. So given how closely the gut and the brain interact, it becomes easier to understand why you might feel nauseated before giving a presentation or feel intestinal pain during times of stress. Maybe you have a big exam and you're like, oh shit. But that doesn't mean, however, that functional gastrointestinal conditions are imagined or all in your head. So psychology combines with physical factors to cause pain and other bowel symptoms. So psychological factors influence the actual physiology of the gut, as well as the symptoms that follow. So in other words, stress or depression or other psychological factors can affect movement and contractions of the GI tract, making inflammation worse or perhaps make you more susceptible to infection. Mm-hmm. Uh, Also, research suggests that uh, some people with functional GI disorders perceive pain more acutely than people do because their brains are more responsive to pain signals from the GI tract. Uh, Stress can make the existing pain seem even worse. Mm -hmm. Uh, Based on these observations, you might even expect that at least some patients with functional GI conditions might improve with therapy to reduce stress or treat anxiety or depression. And sure enough, a review of 13 studies showed that patients who tried psychologically-based approaches had greater improvement of their digestive symptoms compared with patients who only received conventional medical treatments. So don't skip your therapy sessions, guys. And I think more and more, you know, a stress relief Mm -hmm. tactic is becoming a little bit more involved in like all sorts of treatments right so the more you know um (laughs) well i mean like it always comes down to the same thing eat don't eat processed foods as frequently as you do now include more whole foods make sure you're getting the appropriate um 
stress relieving activities included to your everyday life and yeah I mean mm-hmm. I mean I feel like I'm repeating myself a lot but shit happens it, it all comes down to that and yeah just and I do think you know we all hold our stress a little bit differently mm-hmm. um you know when some people stress they they hunch a lot and right. when some people stress they clench their gut you know your body is all connected so it does over time respond to those things but that's mm-hmm. totally from like a stress related standpoint right. and how you physically respond but there's so much more to it when it comes to you know the food you eat sending those chemical signals to your vagus nerve back up to your brain and then what you actually you know act on with right it's really interconnected so with that being said let's kind of go into the fun facts <laughs> so you need about 50 to 65 grams of glucose per day to help keep your gut bacteria alive so with that being said what the fuck do carnivores do i mean most of their diet if not all of it is comprised of fat and meat so you can only imagine how shitty their microbiome is so with that being said 60 percent of your stool is composed of bacteria alive and dead and the rest is undigested food so more fun facts so to kind of close out this episode we do want to give a social media shout out of the week and it goes to at ruse in k austin <laughs> so he is an RD to be at Missouri State University and he has a lot of memes on, on his page and he does include a lot of his life activities I think he's still an intern unless I'm mistaken but definitely go check him out we do definitely appreciate the support if you guys do want to be the next social media shout out we do look at um you guys comments likes right so <laughs> guys please don't forget um we're trying to give back so december every week we're gonna give out a uh, giveaway prizes make yep. sure you subscribe like a shit make sure you're following along it's mm-hmm. stuff that we want to so right so honestly you guys um please let us know what your thoughts are on about this topic about your gut to brain relationship or even about anal cancer and whatnot so please let us know yeah. also guys Happy early Thanksgiving. Um, yeah, happy early I, Thanksgiving. But um, definitely try to practice mindful eating. If you already know, you're going to be eating everybody's dishes. But we do hope you guys have a good time with family, with food, mm-hmm. etc. Or whatever the hell you're doing. You might be in the Bahamas. I don't know. But Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys so much. We're going to close out the episode. <laughs> Yes, thank you guys. And yes, happy Thanksgiving. And we will catch you in the next one. Bye, guys. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Keeping It Juicy podcast. Your main squeeze in nutrition. Don't forget to subscribe so you can join us every Tuesday for a brand new episode. Also, you can find us on Instagram and Facebook at Keeping It Juicy Podcast. We'd love to hear from you, so please leave us a review. Five stars, no less. On whatever platform you're listening to, or send us an email at keepingitjuicypodcast at gmail.com. Or if you have any topics you'd like for us to touch upon, shoot us an email. Until next time, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. Um, and it.
is why I didn't want Bravo in here. And the importance of immune, immune. So close. So close yet so far. <laughs> so short chain fatty acid. Let's try that again. Okay. <laughs> ah. I. So. <laughs> yes. Stop making faces. <laughs> so. Excitable nuance. Ooh, I'm a nuance. <laughs> Brief intermission, ladies and gentlemen. Well, uh other co-host kicks out her dog because he is too fucking loud. It's overstimulation of the Vegas Nate. Vegas. <laughs> Name had greater improvement in their digestive system. Symptoms. The symptoms, not systems. One more time. <laughs>